Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, I'm excited to introduce our special guest, Pamela Wigglesworth. Pamela is the CEO of Experiential Hands-On Learning. Uh, she's an American who lives in Singapore and has been there over 20 years. Welcome. Can I call you Pam? Pam's fine, thanks. <laughs> that, Welcome, work. Pam. Great to have you. Um, Pam, now you do a lot of work with executive presence, um, amongst other things, but let's let's focus on that for a minute. So... If we were to ask, you know, Joe Average, male or female executive on the street, what executive presence is, how many people would be able to actually articulate that? Well, you know what, Lindsay, you make a good point because most people probably could not articulate that. Um, If you were to ask people around the water cooler what that is, there's discussion about um, in the business world, this is something I, I need to have, but people couldn't put words to it. And the second question they're probably going to ask is, do I even have it? And so executive presence remains a mystery to so many people. In fact, the French refer to it as that je ne sais quoi, that element that is hard to put into words. So if we need to to articulate that for your listening audience, it's really the ability to show up and give the impression to others that you have leadership capabilities and that you're worthy of being followed and respected. It's innate in some, and it can be learned. So don't panic if it's something that you feel you can't, uh, you don't have. But to really put it to uh, make it tangible for your listeners, it comes down to three things. It's your gravitas, that's your behavior and demeanor, your grace under fire. It is your manner of communication, that is, what you say and how you say it. And lastly, it is your appearance. And so that would be your grooming and actually how you show up to others um, in a face-to-face setting or even uh, in the virtual world. So Pam, I'm going to start with a third of those because it's a it, it's always a hot button topic for me. And, and, and we live in the same time zone, but very different cultural areas of where we live. Um, you and I had a discussion a number of years ago about dress standards in Asia as opposed to dress standards in Australia. So, you know, and you said appearance. How much of that is just physical appearance that you look good, you look healthy? And how much of it is, you know, is judging a man, and that's not a sexist comment, a man by his clothes? Mm. It's really important. Um, And yet, I think what's happened in the virtual world, because we're working from home, we're wearing casual clothes, people are starting to show up for meetings incredibly uh, dressed down. So you have to think about what is the experience that I want them to have of me? Would I show up in a t-shirt if I was having a face-to-face meeting or in-person meeting? No, you wouldn't. 
So you need to show up in the virtual world the same as if you would show up for a meeting. Now, some people say, you know, I'm going to dress from the waist up. They're going to wear, you know, you don't, I'm not saying you have to wear a tie, but if your uh, environment is such that you're in a dress, you know, button down shirt, wear a button down shirt. Um, and also I think people should dress fully. You know, I'm not saying wear a full suit, but wear some slacks. Don't wear the shorts because if you have to suddenly get up to answer the doorbell for, or there's an emergency and you hear your kid in the next room has fallen and this blood curling scream, you've got to go out there. You don't want to be seen with the shorts on. So I also think that when you dress for your meeting, your whole body language, your whole demeanor is different. You feel professional. So dress to me, even in the virtual world, is incredibly important. Now, if you've met that client for two or three times now, yes, you can become more casual. But if it's the first time meeting somebody, dress for the occasion. So gravitas is about our actions and how we behave. Um, given that we, you know, it's a pretty virtual world at the moment, we are, you know, things are opening up again. And amazingly, I spoke at a face-to-face -face event last week, so that was a real, you know, bonus. But given that we're still doing a lot of video conferencing, how do you actually demonstrate gravitas? Good point. Good point. It's it's not the same. Uh, you have to think about the subtle nuances that we experience in a in-person meeting, that shaking on giving a firm handshake. Um, giving eye contact, a smile, um, the command of the room, how you come in, those things aren't going to translate, obviously, in the virtual world. So we have to rely on different things. In terms of gravitas, we need to think of what are the individual's core competencies or their capabilities. So we need to show up differently. An example would be, um, as a leader, we need to make sure, first of all, that we're being inclusive. That means I'm going to, if I'm having a meeting with maybe 10 people, there's always going to be those few that will speak up during the meeting. And then there's those that will remain quiet. So the leader needs to address those that are also being quiet and ask for their input. So I might say, Lindsay, you know, we haven't heard from you yet but I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think? And then be quiet and allow them a chance to, uh, to speak. We also need to make sure that we're using people's names in meetings, calling them out, calling them by their names and ensuring that we're not um, you know, abbreviating it or not pronouncing it correctly. So making sure that we're using their names. We also wanna demonstrate empathy um, and humility. Today, leaders need to be able to show empathy. They need to thank their teams, uh, their team members, and they need to just be patient and listen. And so there's a whole list of different core competencies that we could talk about, but those are the top that are on my list. And decisiveness is another one, being able to make decisions quickly, even if it's in the virtual world. Okay. And so, and so we, we've kind of shown up in the right outfit. We've kind of got the gravitas. The, the the missing component in there is is you know the number of meetings I go on to where people have their cameras off. Mm. Okay, and so you may as well be sitting on the phone at that point. Um, you know, you're probably more tuned listening on the phone to subtleties in voice as you are on on online when you're seeing their photograph and not their their, their video. Um, you know, should 
should we be almost insisting? Obviously, if you've got, you know, a hundred people on a conference call, you may not want a hundred pictures up or videos up, but, but, you know, for smaller group meetings or corporate meetings, you know, video should be a necessity now. Has it actually become part of our communication protocol? That's a good question. And there's two sides to that coin. Um, if you think about where you and Lindsay live in Australia, you both live in beautiful homes where you have a lot of space. And so our first instinct is to treat the others as we are doing. Um, I have my own home office, so I don't have to worry about distractions. But we forget that in places such as Singapore, where work from home is still the default right now until the government says otherwise, you've got people who are having uh, living in small apartments and maybe they're homeschooling their children. And therefore, there's a lot of distraction going on. And maybe they're in their bedroom and it's an absolute mess. So they don't want to turn their cameras on. I used to push that issue of turning on the camera, um, but now I don't as much. The downside to that is we can't see a person's face. We can't read their facial expressions. We don't know if they're really understanding what we're saying. We don't know if they're doing other things. And that is where there's the difficulty because they're more likely to be doing other things while they are listening to you. And that's what we found that there are many more distractions in the virtual world. Number one, people who are turn their camera off are likely to be doing, I think it's 65% are more likely to be doing other work. 43% of those individuals who don't have their camera on might be uh, surfing social media. And 21% are actually shopping online. So, <laughs> yes. You know, so they're not 100% with you. So it's important for us to be engaging. So I think it starts with us as the leader of the meeting to bring high energy to that, uh, that meeting and invite people to turn on their cameras, but do not insist that they turn on their cameras. Unless it's a, uh, your team, yes, you might say, go ahead and turn on your camera, just blur out the background, but I'd like to be able to see your face uh, and get your gauge your reactions and gauge your feedback. So I think we can't insist on it. Uh, we can invite people to do it, but we can't, we shouldn't necessarily push the issue because we don't know what their situation is uh, back home. Well, so, Raul, can you ask the next question? I'm just putting my credit card in this. Uh, in this well, while you're doing some online shopping. Well, and a new pair of shoes. Yeah, and Black I'm Friday shopping yeah. still. Yeah. Um, no, Pamela, the, the question then is, is in the early days of, of, of online, you know, of webinars where we all used GoToMeeting because that was kind of the, the standard, I remember running many webinars which we, which is talking to yourself because you've got no feedback at all, which is much harder. Mm -hmm. But I could see the live statistics of people's engagement. And it seems to we've forgotten, well, that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, you could actually see so many people were engaged, so many people on another screen on their computer, which is quite telling sometimes, I have to say. Um, do we need that? I mean, do we need that in the virtual world? Or is that just being too big brotherish? No, I think we do need engagement. And it's up to us to position it within our, uh, throughout the presentation to get that engagement. So the key is to get engagement from the very, very beginning. 
we know that most people aren't going to come on to a meeting on time. So that means I'm not going to necessarily start my the important parts of my meeting at the top of the hour. I'm going to wait at least five minutes, but I will engage people by asking uh, if it's, you know, um, across different countries or even different uh, cities, you know, I'm glad to have you here. Type in the chat box where you're listening in from and describe one word to tell me how you're feeling at the moment. So immediately I'm getting people to engage. They may not turn their camera on um, or it may be you play a little game with them while we're, you know, we're just waiting in one more minute while everybody jumps on the call. Um, I want you to describe what you see in somebody else's backdrop, something unique that you see, or tell us how many people you can see that have a clock in the backdrop. How many people have a library in the backdrop? What that does is those that have their cameras off suddenly want to go, oh, I want to participate in this. And they turn their cameras on. And so you keep finding those ways to engage them. Let's do a quick, you know, uh, a quick poll or let's do a poll that's just in the chat where you can, you know, and let's see how many people say this or that, but in get them engaged on a regular basis. That means we have to stop and ask for feedback or ask them to do something. So therefore they're participating. But otherwise, if it is just myself, I must use my voice. I must have high energy to keep them engaged. If not, you're going to lose them. Yeah, I think um, energy is a huge factor when you're in an, in an online meeting, presentation, whatever. Um, if, you can, if you've got energy, people are drawn to it. Um, okay, so then, Pam, what, what would be some mistakes that people make? Uh, you know, we've talked about some of the things they should do, but what's some things they should avoid doing? Oh, my big one, eating on camera. Now, I get it. A lot of times meetings are taking place over uh, lunchtime. So what people don't realize is whether you're using a webcam or you're using the camera on your computer, it's an HD computer, uh, excuse me, HD camera. So it is seeing incredibly wide. In fact, my camera, I know for a fact, is bigger than six feet wide. Okay, so a lot of people are using like a green screen and it's a, a nine by six, but my webcam sees even more than that. So people think by sliding outside of the view of the camera that's directly in front of me that no one can see them. And so you see them slide off to the side and they're eating their lunch. If you're going to eat, put your camera on, you know, just turn it off, eat your lunch quietly so people can't see you. The other one is the mistake of not checking out what do I look like before I actually even get on camera. So people should spend five minutes before the meeting, five or 10 minutes beforehand, open a new meeting in your Zoom or your Teams um, settings. And so you can see yourself. Look at how your appearance is. Does my shirt contrast with my backdrop if I'm using a Zoom um, backdrop? Um, am I blending in? Do I have anything that should not be seen in the backdrop? I've seen people, I've known of some gentleman who was being interviewed and his underwear was on hanging on the, the headrest of his. And I thought, you know, just that probably, he could have been the most qualified, but he probably lost that case because he didn't prepare. He didn't see what everybody else can see. So the camera sees much more than we can. So declutter, get rid of the stuff on your desk. Um, the other thing is, 
um, people pivoting in their chair, you know, swiveling. We should, we need to be stationary. So to avoid that, put your feet firmly on the ground, uh, sit at the edge of your seat. You're not likely to then pivot. So I would say, and the big ultimate no-no is not really addressing the other person through the camera, not looking at the lens and speaking to individuals. Um, even if there's a thousand people on the call, the person on the receiving end will feel like you're talking directly to them. So it's important that we give eye contact and we're not seeing that. And Ken, so one more question then. You, you spoke about sitting and moving. The, I have a, a, a studio with a standing desk and um, I use that a lot of the time and present from there. Um, are more and more people moving to the standing? Because I think it conveys, in my opinion, it conveys more energy. Definitely. Um, I would say people who have the desk or tend to be in the speaking community or presenting you know, on a regular basis are more likely to stand. In fact, I think there was a statistic that, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the company that does e-speakers, found that presenters that stood were getting hired more often than those that sat. But you're absolutely right, Rail. There is more energy that can happen when you're standing. Your hands are free to gesture. Whereas if we gesture with our hands in the when we're seated, we have to make sure that the gestures mm -hmm. stay to the sides, you know, or close to my body versus close to the camera, because if my hands get close to the camera, my hands will get bigger. And so the gestures can be bigger when we're standing. People love that. It's You have more energy and it feels like it's more engaging. So I would recommend if people are comfortable to stand, if not, then make sure that they're still bringing that energy, even when they're um, sitting, uh, you know, sitting down. So Pam, I know you're you know, you're an expert with the executive presence, but I know also that you coach executives not only on their presence but on their presentations. And so you know we're talking about uh, you know meetings on Zoom, presenting on Zoom. So give us a give us a couple of tips on how an executive or someone might improve an online presentation that would enhance their executive presence. Okay, fantastic question. I'm I'm thrilled that you asked that because this is key. Uh, first of all, we need to communication is our secret sauce. Using your voice and your words are your secret weapon. So in any meeting, in any presentation, no matter how much time we have. So meetings are getting shorter. So it's important that we are, first of all, using clear and concise language where we can make an immediate impact on our viewing audience. The second one is we need to make sure that we are thinking and speaking strategically. Okay, that was an important one. In other words, we don't have time to just simply wing it. We need to think in advance based on how much time I have to present. What do I need to get across in that short period of time? So I must be strategic in what I want to say. I need to have my sound bites ready to go so that when the meeting is over, they are talking about what I have said in the meeting. We need to make sure that what we say is memorable, that it is repeatable, and it is referable. And so that means I must articulate my message in the shortest period of time. 
and make it so that somebody after we get off this call can go to their counterpart or to their colleague, to their boss and say, here's what I just heard in this particular meeting. And therefore it is referable and somebody else will refer and say, hey, you need to listen to this or that. Um, and so the last one is get straight to the point. Uh, it's okay to use, start with some social graces, but get to the point because people's attention spans have changed uh, dramatically. There was a study done by um, British Lloyds Bank where they found that the attention span 10 years ago was 12 minutes. Today, it's down to five minutes before people Whoa. start to sum up. So this is where we lose people. This is why, back to Rail's point, we need to make sure we keep them engaged because they will check out if we're not keeping them entertained. It's all about entertainment, uh, infotainment, or edutainment. We've got to keep them, you know, with us. So use your voice, vary your voice, vary your intonation, uh, but monitor your pace and use your words strategically. Okay, well, I'm going to get straight to the point. We are out of time, Pam. Um, so uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, chat with you. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and explore how they might uh, uh, give the executive presence a, um, a bit of improvement or maybe help uh, get some coaching around one of their presentations, how would they contact you? They're more than welcome to get in touch with me through my email, which is pam at experiential.sg, or they can go to the website again, which is also www.experiential.sg. That's E-X-P-E-R-I-E-N-T-I-A-L.sg. And I'd be happy to chat with them. Thank you, Pamela, for being a great engaging guest with a certain je ne sais quoi that you bring to the podcast. This is Arail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both your business and your life.